Welcome to the OCR Disrupt podcast with your hosts, Nick Day and James Rockley. So, hey, welcome to the OCR Disrupt podcast. It's our first podcast. We don't know how many we're going to do. It might be the only one we ever do. But we basically had a debate at Toughest about the band system. And then it's kind of turned into the idea that we'd get together and have a bit of a podcast conversation and debate everything and everything to do with uh, OCR. So a couple of things we're going to run through to give you an idea of the format for this podcast. Well, first of all, we're going to just run through some uh, advice on staying injury free and how not to end up in an A&E bed. Next first thing we're going to do, we're going to have a quick debate, gloves or no gloves, before we go into two big debates of the day, really. First is going to be talking about toughest and why we think UKRD should basically stand up and take notice of the toughest race because they're really, really good. Sort of tie that in with a bit of a, a toughest Oslo review as well because both myself and James were out there last week. And then we're also going to talk about in the run-up to the OCR World Champs, which a lot of you are preparing for out there, bans or no bans? That is the question. This is what started this podcast anyway with me and James debating at about 1am in the morning. I would suggest that it was several whiskeys for one of us that started that podcast and for one of us couple of fruit juices but yeah yeah that's, yeah that's well, where it started at the very least and we haven't come to an agreement yet so maybe we'll do that later probably not we're going to move on to a bit of a kit review we're going to talk about the irox versus the innovates specifically the talon 212s well after that james would they beat john alban today mo farah versus john alban i've got to argue mo farah and you're going to argue john you yeah. don't really know john particularly well no so it could be an interesting debate yes, and I, I don't know mo that well either no, so. neither do I, <laughs> should be fine so, uh, yes we're going to see and then heading into a potential podcast competition for the next episode see where that one leads us when we get there uh, and we're gonna have a quick race review or overview as well some of the races that have taken place some of the races coming up and our pick for results of the week and a couple of community posts as well about ocr obviously a lot of people just do ocrs to raise money for charity and some people only ever do one race and they may be listening to this right now so I want to do a couple of shout outs to those that are using OCR to help others which I think is really important so race tips from someone who has broken it all I think um, as we've all seen the obstacles get more technical especially at the likes of toughest race even in the UK they have got slightly more technical um, or they've just made them higher and taller nowadays to scare people off we're seeing a lot of people risking injuries when they're not necessarily competent at a technique or they're not thinking because they're, they're too worn out. I think this really came to, to heads for me in the winter when I nuts. I watched a lady fall, break her neck, and then I watched her best wow. friend do the exact same thing immediately after we carted her friend off in an ambulance. So hold on, so one friend broke her neck? So one friend fell, we were suspecting a broken neck, we treated a surgeon, put her on a spinal board, sent her off, I say we, I was not getting involved, staying around, let the medics do their thing. And as they were helping, we were discussing with her friend why we don't think putting your feet above your head when your hands are too wet to hold on to a bar is a very safe option because if obviously your, your hands slip, sure. you're only going to be hanging by your feet, you're going to land on your neck. And then immediately afterwards, the non-injured friend continued the race and did the exact same thing, landed in the exact same way, but thankfully did not get seriously injured. Well, that would be the contender for the Darwin Awards, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean... It was not God. pretty viewing. And then throughout the rest of the afternoon, I sat there, I watched, I told people, do not place your feet your head if your hands are slipping. And constantly, constantly, until the last person of the day, and I think I'm not wrong in saying that the last person through did the same thing and landed flat on their back, winding themselves. So there's things like that. When you, know, when you get to an overhang wall, you're numb, you're freezing, but you cannot get hold of a grip 
do not put your foot above your head unless you're 100% competent with your technique. It's not worth risking it. You know, what would happen if you broke your neck tomorrow? Sometimes people do forget, right? They've got families. Yeah. It's just a race. It is just a race. Just get through it. Yeah. Rather than break your neck. Yeah, yeah this is it. And I mean, especially as we're looking towards the toughest races and the other races that are a lot more complicated, you do need to have sound technique. This week we went up to toughest. How high were those flying monkeys above hard standing ground? Yeah, very high. And that's why I didn't do them. Yeah. And yet in the UK, we, we have a lot of people who quite often fall off of them. And they do make mistakes, but they think they can do it. And that's fine. But then you go to toughest, and if you made the slightest mistake there, that's three, maybe three and a half metres high, possibly more, Yeah. on hard standing ground. If you landed on your neck on that... It was basically tarmac, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gravel tarmac, I guess. But if you landed on your neck on that, I don't think you're walking away. Like, you'd have to be lucky to walk away. I think you could potentially be risking flying home, you know, with a medical medical crew around you. And, and then, you you know, you've lost your job, potentially. You've sure. lost your ability to go and do any more races. It's all well and good racing hard, but you need to be able to continue racing and not get injured and remain available for the rest of the season, so... Uh, move aside, move aside, let the ambulance through. Please move aside. Too many people are risking themselves in qualification races to try and qualify for the world's race, which some of them won't ever get to because they'll injure themselves there. And sure. There's a lot of blabber, as always, from me. And let's be fair, probably, myself included on this one, even in toughest Oslo, not everyone races with insurance. No, no, I... I, you know, I've had to. I've broken so many bones abroad now that I do race with insurance, and I've always been lucky that I've always got injured while having insurance. But nowadays, I just don't race. And maybe it's a separate debate. But why is it we always get insurance when we go abroad, but we don't do it when we race in the UK? Yeah, I believe Mark's got offer an insurance. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, they do. They definitely do. But if you think about how many people doing OCR, yeah. not all of them are part of muscle. No, completely, completely. And yeah, personal health insurance. I don't think that your, you know, your medical insurance is going to be particularly happy with you doing this. It's a lot of the foreigner ones when we go abroad. You do have to add on extreme sports cover as well. Sure. So, yeah, it's something to consider. So let's summarise that quickly. Don't risk it, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. If you've got jobs, you've got families, or you just want to finish the race uninjured, healthy, and enjoy it, which is ultimately why we do OCR, right? Yeah. Then be safe. No one's walking out here today and saying, let's go and break my neck. So take it easy out there. Stick to a technique that you know you can do when tired. Don't risk it. And what are some of the injuries you've had, James? Can you reel some of them uh, off? 28 <laughs> broken bones through my arms, the dislocated shoulder in two places. Broke both my feet running for 24 hours around Toughest, broke my ribs at Toughest, uh, broke my ankle in six places. So trust me when I say this, it's not worth the time out for an extra position in a race because I've had that extra position in a race and I'd rather not have the broken arms. Time for a quick debate. Gloves or no gloves? So I'm going to give you my position before yeah, you yeah, yours. Please, please do. Because mine's slowly changing. Right. And when I started in OCR, I think I've spent a lot of money on so many different types of gloves mm. because I just felt I needed them. My hands rip. I work in office all day at a computer desk. I'm done with no kind of manual work at all in my job apart from pressing a keyboard. So delicate baby soft hands that rip up pretty easy that I've always, up until recently, used gloves. Now, if anyone saw my hands after the Euros recently, which was a brutal race, they ripped to shreds again. I remember meant, just like, feeling sick looking at your hands. They were pretty bad, and it meant I couldn't complete. Now, this goes against what I'm doing at the moment, because I should have had gloves with me, probably, in that race. I didn't, and had nothing to, I could do with them to support them. But I guess where I'm going with this is, as I'm getting better obstacles, mm. I'm finding I'm better without gloves. Yeah. So I don't know what the answer is to this. 
at the moment, I've just spent a little bit more money, only six quid, on some of like, they kind of just cover your... Oh, yeah, like the calisters, almost gymnastics CrossFit stuff. Yeah, yeah, so I've just got those, and I I ran with them at Toughest in my, you know, in my pocket, basically, just in case I ripped them up on, you know, monkey bars or whatever it might have been. I didn't need to use them, but I still have them with me. But I know a lot of people, Tony Leary, you know, never wears gloves, for yeah. example, and he's one of the best obstacle guys I know. Rob Border, another really good good obstacle guy, doesn't wear gloves. So when you go and watch a Spartan race or you're a part of it, the majority of people that don't race regularly will be wearing gloves. Yeah. So what's the answer? Gloves or no gloves? Over to you, what do you think? It's a personal preference, but for me, no gloves. I could not tell you the last time I wore gloves. It would have been years ago. I think it's more about hand maintenance, looking after your hands, removing the calluses before they give the form, you know, the chance to rip. Um, and knowing that your ability in an obstacle, you know, I grip a monkey bar so that I don't rotate my hand around the bar. Okay. So that there is no friction on that bar, so that there is no chance for a callus to rip. But similarly, when we were in uh, Oslo, I showed you my hands and how soft, you know, how there was yeah. no calluses there. And there still isn't, because I, I sit there and I shave them down. And you I saw shave. mine as well, right? And yeah. I had big calluses as well. They are monstrous. Whereas <laughs> I shave my calluses more often than I shave my face, which is a disappointing thing. But yeah. I, I'm a no-glove person. I believe that either the material on the outside is actually slippery in a lot yeah. of races, or you do add the additional principle that you can slip out of a glove. And I have seen people do that, where people have gripped or something, you know, like a monkey bar. Sure. And actually, the glove is stuck, but their hand within the glove hasn't. And similarly, those that don't slip out do, you know, some gloves have a gripping material on the inside and outside, and that just adds more friction and a more potential to rip. So I think... I mean, some races will have their, their gloves. I wear gloves for toughest 24 race, or yeah. I wore gloves, should I say. 24 hours, 10 obstacles, one kilometre lap, off you go. I'm sure the ball laps yeah. on nuts, we're going to need gloves, I'm going to get cold. For the cold hands, I would go for gloves. I wouldn't go for them for the grip again. For things like nuts in the winter when I started this year, obviously I didn't finish, and I'm sure the Phoenix boys will again give me some stick for that. But <laughs> um, when I got to the stairway, I had to take my gloves off because you lose the, the sort of stickiness of your hands on the wood when you're wearing the opening gloves. So there are, there are circumstances in races where wearing your gloves is brilliant. I know that Tom Tweddle likes the Bleg Mitt, which is this massive neoprene whole hand glove Okay. It's like a mitten um, that goes up the whole hand to keep it warm, but it's not got any finger holes or any dexterity, so you have to remove it every time. Um, and I Which think is going to cost you time if you're racing. Yeah, exactly. For him, it's right. He's so fast. It's not Fair a problem. Enough. But um, yeah, so for me, gloves reduce the ability to grip an obstacle. You know, if you were to go and grab a, a bar in the gym, it's easier to grab a thinner bar than a fatter bar. Yeah. And if you're wearing eight millimeter thick neoprene gloves and trying to grab a bar, it just got 16 millimetres thicker. Plus, yeah, sure. Makes and sense. that's going to pump your forearms up more. So so I'm still new to this, right? So you guys did something at Toughest. I saw Tony do it. I saw you do it. Mm. For me, it's, it doesn't make sense to do it mm. because the one of the reasons I wear gloves is when my hands get wet, I don't trust my own grip. I spit on my hands. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. And like, this is the first time I've seen yeah. it. I've been obstacle racing for like four years and it's the first time I've seen people spit on their hands. Which, I've, I've never seen anyone else do it. As soon as my hands get wet, yeah. I feel like I have to have gloves. Yeah. But you and Tony did it. Yeah, yeah, so it's that level of... I've never seen anyone else do it. And I even do it when I'm climbing, which I always get told off for because it's disgusting. But I like to put a bit of my hands and then just rub them until they get to that sticky sort of stage. Um, I'm sure if you've, you know, when, you, when you've had wet hands or when you've had like beer on your hands or whatever, you know, for yourself. Yeah. And, you, and you rub them until like, they get to <laughs> that sticky stage. Yeah. I feel like that's what I'm aiming for. So I give a little bit of spit on my hands, just rub them until they get to that sticky stage. My grip goes through the roof. Really does. So the phoenix rising... Or as I call it, it's robbing the pigeon's nest. <laughs> a prime example of it, I actually felt that probably for a good hour solid the first time I ever went there. That's where everyone's failing. Yeah. But this was a thing. I failed it for solid for an hour on a dry day straight after it had been built. And then I said to Robin, I said, I keep failing. And he was like, it's probably, probably too dry. And I was like, yeah, probably is. So I just on my hands a little bit, a bit disgusting, rubbed it in. Sticky, went up and over the first time, no problem. And for me, that gave me that extra bit of stick, that extra bit of friction to just grip into the wood. 
and really just fly up and down. So for me, I prefer an obstacle when it's wet. Oh God, no, no, we're definitely opposites. So, okay, I think we both agreed that no gloves is better mm. generally. If you had to go one or the other, we'd go no gloves. What's your view on what I do at the moment, which is racing with gloves? I have them with me. I just have them with me. Yeah, I've no problem with that. If they work for you, that's absolutely fine. I guess the only problem will be is that someone, no doubt, somewhere from some country will try and cover them in glue or something because we do quite often see people, especially okay. in major championship races, trying to cheat. They put glue on the gloves? I've seen people put glue on them, but they put tacky behind their ears, which is the weightlifting glue. Oh, okay. Um, and then they put a ribbon on their hands. Wow. You don't realise until the next person goes through, grips it. And I'm a really naive way. racer, I get that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no. I've, I haven't worked at the Euros this year, I've seen it all. And at the Euros, there were people, you know, taking glue behind their ears, rubbing it on their hands, and, and gloves. I've seen people using wrist straps, which have the hook over oh, the yeah. fingers for lifting bars. So actually, you could theoretically just hang without wrapping your hand around the bar. Ah, okay, I'm um, Yeah, so we've, we've seen all these things now. I feel so. like I have much to learn. <laughs> Not going to use these things, yeah. of course. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, so we have to be careful. Gloves, absolutely right. Yeah, take them with you. You can always use them. I like to put on gloves for carries, things like yeah. that. If something's really digging into my hands, but only if I'm going to a race, like a Spartan race, I can probably carry a pair of gloves. So as someone that has basically tried every form of glove out there I, mm. the ones I think are best are these callous ones and they're like six quid on eBay so yeah. if you are going to do it and you want to you want to race with something in your pocket that's probably what I'd say the callous ones do fold up really small to fit in the pocket quite tiny yeah, 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 and, yeah. Ones do. Um, and if you're like me and you're in race mode you can put them on inside out as well which uh, yeah. is what I did <laughs> <laughs> okay cool so uh, we're going to go to OCR Disrupt we've called it that because Basically, I'm sat next to James Buckley, who's pretty disruptive. Um, we're gonna sound like one of my teachers. There you go. It's a, it's an old versus young thing, James. <laughs> OCR disrupt, attempting to tackle controversial conversations. Uh, we've got two things we want to discuss today. The first is a quick overview of the toughest race because we've just come back and James was commentating yes. and watching it from afar so as a slightly. Uh, eagle eye view or pigeon view he might say uh, where he was commentating on for those that heard it wild pigeons which is nuclear phoenix for those not in the know thank you for that James um, but views from his side and also a bit of an overview from a, a competitor which was me running it in the uh, wild card elite race which was really interesting uh, and then we're going to talk about after that basically bans or no bans but we'll get to that a little bit a little bit later so James kick us off tell us about toughest race to me, the toughest race is the crown. You know, it's one of the best race series out there. I haven't done them all, obviously, but having taken part in toughest, one of their special events three years ago now, uh, to the Ice Hotel, it was the best event I've ever been to. Remains the best event. I broke twenty-eight bones, and it's still the best race <laughs> I've ridiculous. ever done. Ridiculous! And it's still the best race I've ever done. So you know, I can't, I can't fault them. Um, they are perfect in construction. You know, the morning of the race might not look complete, but then within 20 minutes, everything is done. They have a team that follow them around. They know what's happening. They have a sub-team, you know, who are in charge of an individual race, of, you know, sort of miniature race directors, you could call them. And then they've got the race directors. So they put on incredible races in the most beautiful environments. Like Tafasozo is probably the most picturesque scenic group I've ever done. That was insane. Uh, yeah, it was insane. Yeah. Guys, it was awesome. If you haven't done Tafas Oslo, go do it. It was and what's, awesome. what's best about it is obviously you've got the mountains of Andorra etc where there are some incredible races and they look stunning but Tavos Oslo is actually just so easy to get to as well you can fly out of Stansted I think you can fly at Bournemouth Airport if you particularly want to book early enough in advance it's 40 quid flight so hotel's not horrific if you book early enough a taxi between the seven of us was about 20 quid each between yeah. the airport and back which again there are cheaper ways of doing it but that's what we had organised and the race I mean also their race entries aren't horrific either compared to some other companies no. 
And if you don't drink, which is probably the majority <laughs> of you, but not me, because I do, then you'll, it's even cheaper. Yes. But a, a glass of wine was £17, yeah. and a pint was about tenner. Yeah. So as long as you don't need to eat or drink while you're out there, <laughs> then you'll have a really, really cheap uh, cheap weekend. The water is lovely. Ordinary water is more expensive oh, yeah, than flavoured water. Oh, yeah, for a bottle of water in the airport. Yeah. It's like six quid for a flavoured one. But honestly, I mean, it was... It was incredible. Now, I, I, you know, pre-OCR, I've done a few other like, triathlon type events, like Ironman, yeah. where you have a huge expo, you have a huge film. I don't really have that in OCR over here. It's always a bit disappointing. Yeah. You know, if you get a bouncy castle for kids, you're in like, wow, this is a really well-run yeah, event. Yeah. Toughest is amazing. Like, you've got amazing expos. You've got things you can do in the event arena. You've got competitions. Shout out to Becky for winning the competition. Yeah, well. Becky, Phoenix Becky, and Becky Rendell won the women's well-hung, it, challenge. well-hung challenge. Yeah, congratulations to Becky, the most well-hung woman in Scandinavia. She is able to hold on to a pair of jeans, um, black cladded jeans for one ridiculous. minute fifty-six seconds. I think. Yeah, I think the record for the men was two minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, two minutes ten. I reckon she could have done it. If she'd known. Mm-hmm. The guy wouldn't tell her the time. Completely. By the way. I faced off against Becky on this and uh, she absolutely annihilated me I think I managed like one minute to five seconds yeah, she looked so happy and you were just dying yeah I looked so and thought well she looks too calm so I'm going to give this up but yeah it was amazing so if you haven't done it take a look at it I know a lot of people have done the UK event but it was just brilliant everything's just so polished yeah yeah I mean the UK event was cool it was, it was a good little thing I know that the race directors themselves weren't happy with it which was quite funny and then you go to Oslo and it's like the UK event was good Oslo unbelievable I mean they moved the entire platinum rig Overnight, which you know, which, which was great because they, they changed the course. But the other thing is, right, for those that are used to doing UK races, you can go and play on anything you want yeah. before the race. There's none of this. Oh, we're not unsure if you want it, you get disqualified. Like they just leave everything open. Yeah. We were playing around on every single obstacle beforehand. We tried the hard lanes, we tried the easy lanes, went for a job. We even got the ski slope. If those aren't familiar, Oslo, you finish by running up. Hong Kong on ski slope. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, it's just amazing. And they don't stop you from doing it. It's not close quarter. And you can go the following day as well. Yeah, we went the following day. And uh, their kids race, 1,600 children. Amazing. Which is outrageous when you consider that most UK races are struggling to get 500 people. And they've sure. got 1,600 kids. I think that really shows it. But what's even better is they scale the kids race, don't they? Yeah. And the Dragon's Back is made sure today of an extension that the rings and the monkey bars are brought to lower levels. You know, everything is adjusted. They had a car going out on the ramp as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we had these kids getting up, even some kids getting up the ramp on their own. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you went up and helped, much to our amusement, uh, helped <laughs> a child up, um, whether its father was struggling, but yeah. The girl left Tony Leary hanging with a high five at the top. <laughs> Six attempts to get up there. She finally got up, thanks to me and Tony holding her dad's leg so he could grab her hand. Yeah. We finally put her up. There's that moment at the top where everyone's, hey, you've made it. Tony puts out his hand for high five and she totally leaves him hanging. And I dropped to the floor laughing at the bottom. It was <laughs> It was absolutely brilliant. Six-year-old totally does Tony Leary over. fantastic stuff but listen uh, it sounds like I'm sponsored by Toughest I'm really not um, I work for them so that's completely irrelevant it's a brilliant race and I was very lucky to have a world card entry which Mm. I wrote to them really 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 late wasn't expecting it Um, I was supposed to be racing with Tony but Tony had an injury so I thought rather than sort of walk around the course I'll have a go and and try and get the elite race and was really lucky to get a world card entry so I was in with the elites I probably finished where I expected to in the elite race I think there were 45 elite starters I came 40th probably fair I'm kidding myself if I genuinely think I'm up up with with the top guys in that league but it was great I mean right from the off obstacles are brilliant I think I was did more slow lanes than most of the elites, yeah, but did everything first time. But every obstacle's fun. Like, yeah. it's fun. And that's, and that's the beauty of it. You know, you place 40th taking every easy lane, but we watched so many people try fast lanes and easy lanes and even failed them there. So it's just so competitive because and, of that system. And it kind of ties in with the band thing. Well, we yeah. might as well start it. Yeah, no, do. 
Because for me, toughest habit, right? So, look, you might argue that I don't like the band system because my weakness is obstacles. I'm a runner. For those who know me, I'm, I tend to be better at running than I am at obstacles. I'm getting better, but that's just how it is. And my argument would be that I'm the obstacle guy. I haven't done a run training session since January, and I like it when I don't have to run, and you all get disqualified because you can't do the obstacles. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough, but a race is a race. Yes. And with the toughest system, where you don't have a band, if you fail something, you fall off and do a penalty, which is usually pretty severe carrying something you know a big distance and sometimes even then still having to do the additional obstacle of the slow yeah. obstacle as well you know you're always racing and if i fall off something i didn't this time but i saw yeah. others do it the point is even if you fall off you don't know if the person ahead of you isn't going to fail the next one yeah. so you're always in race mode and it keeps you know you're, you're always at threshold yeah. you, you bloody knackering because you can't relax at any point and i think the other thing is like, i'll never forget it because dave rogers and dean at the ocr um euros last year not this year mm. where dean great athlete but overtook dave rogers because the queue he was in was yeah. faster yeah i mean that just that isn't a race for me and that's no. what we have at the so so-called european championship so I hate the band system. We're going to put it right out there. I don't understand the idea of going to a race with the, you know, with the idea of going. I just want to keep my band. For me, that just does doesn't make. I, yeah. I, I can't understand it. See, I can't understand the mentality of I just want to keep my band because I attend every race with the thing, you know, like I want to keep my band as quick as I'm not going to lose it. I just don't want to fail an obstacle. That's my approach. Is I'm going to make everything first time. It's not if I do it twenty times, then fine. And I too have been victim of you know failing an obstacle like Dave having to queue. And then watching second place twenty five minutes later come through and losing the UK championship. Like I don't think Dave failed. He just hit the queue. Or maybe well, maybe he had done because it was been retried. Yeah, I don't know. It I think retried. So yeah, yeah. So I too have been there, and it really infuriates me. But what I think is the best way to do it is to maintain the obstacle because at toughest four years ago we had Yogi. Now Yogi started four minutes behind Karin and just ran, touched every obstacle, took the penalty, won by four minutes. Didn't complete the monkey bars. Didn't complete the rig. Didn't complete the swing walk didn't complete the traversables. You know, she took something like seven penalties and one overall. And she started four minutes behind and finished four minutes in front. So you have to sit there That's and a good go, point. You have to sit there and go, that wouldn't be fair if, as we will get to later on, Mo Farah rocked up, touched every obstacle, ran the 300-meter penalty in half a minute or whatever ridiculous thing he can do, and then carried on and left John just completing the obstacles two minutes behind. So you've got the other side of it. I think, in my ideal world, smaller waves, time trial everything, which is... It has its problems, but for now that's where I'm at, until we can make rigs that are much bigger. And just try and have waves that don't have queues. Because when we set off 150 people in a wave at the OCR World Championships, of course there's going to be queues. We can't help that. You just hope that John's not in it. But when you have, you know, 10 people in a wave, you tend not to have as many short course queues as you would the long course. And everyone is forced to complete the obstacles. Otherwise, I think what we have at the moment is people will do a little bit of obstacle training. They'll tinker with them here and there. You know, I can do monkey bars now. I haven't trained differently from last year, but they'll make it easier. So we had podiums at the Euros, mm. where, which were empty yes. because no one kept their band. Yes, you know that just shouldn't happen. I mean, that's an embarrass. That is embarrassing. I will sit on the on the fence and go, yeah, it's not ideal, but then the course wasn't impossible. I use sport in inverted commas here because it's not officially a sport. Yeah, of course, where, but. No other sport has this system. No. And a lot of other sports have it right. Every year, the Ninja Warrior. No well, this is where we're going. Do we want Ninja Warrior? This is probably a different debate. You love Ninja Warrior. I like, I like watching. Well, it's a great no, spectacle. I don't like watching Ninja Warrior. But it's but not a race. No. Well, kind of, it's time. But, but at the same time, I do because of the technicality of it. So, 
Yeah, I guess it's always going to be that awkward one between those that want to progress as obstacle racers, such as Leon, and everyone said, oh, Leon won because he was lucky. I was in you know, Sweden the week before the Euros with Leon. But Ninja Warrior, like, you get one attempt and you're out. Yes, you do. But then it's the, but you're not the, out in your, your version, you're doing a penalty run. Okay, yeah, but even so, the current system we have at the moment, you have a ban, you can fail and do it as many times as you like, yes. and this is what causes the queue. So, okay, you keep, if you want your version, mm. which I get, doesn't do me any favours necessarily, but I would understand it better. Yeah. One attempt, fail, off the course, done. Yeah. And although we had this discussion the other day again... Debate. <laughs> this, yeah, debate. Heated. What if, as has happened to me at several races, Spartan race, for example, and toughest races, I've been, uh, it have happened to it, broke my arms to when this happened... Someone else knocked you off an obstacle. Yeah, I got knocked off at the World in Ohio mm. when the guy in the lane next to me tried to grab a, a metal T-bar, missed. Well, grabbed it, but didn't actually manage to catch it. I was in the lane next to him and it smashed me in the nose. Yeah. Split my, split my face open. So, you know, if you got knocked off an obstacle and the marshal was like, one attempt and you're out, you're out, mate. Not yeah. Not your fault. Well, yeah, it probably isn't a perfect answer, but my argument would be, for those that just want to keep a band, yes. you have the band system for journeyman wave only. Yeah. That's it. You want a band and you want it to school, that's fine, complete it and great. Yep. that's where you should be I don't think you should be in a race maybe it should be a case of three attempts or two attempts then penalty but then you're going to have the problem of, of marshalling that no completely for me you've got to have it as a race yes well, at the moment the obstacle world champs isn't a race unless you are right at the front of the elite race first one after that no matter what level what age group you go in you're going to encounter queues yeah. or you've got to do everything first time yeah, for me it's spacing out though it's making sure that you set up 50 people you give them five minutes you don't go 50 people, 30 seconds later. 50 people, 30 seconds later. 50 people, 30 seconds later. Space them out so that you know they're a kilometre into the course before the next 50 go out. Yes, some will fall back. But yes, some will overtake. But there should be that rough area whereby no one is really getting stuck. You know, John's going to be gone. You know, he's going to be 2k in at that point. Sure. Someone will be half a k in. But there should ideally then, and I'm not saying five minutes or whatever, but you know, there, there should be some leaning thing. Whereas we've seen it at races, you know toughest are generally okay with it because of how they set their course out you know this week the start at Oslo was narrow and they set off waves every two minutes but even that two minutes was enough so that the women weren't stuck behind the men sure no I get that I just can't stand the band system yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've benefited from it I don't you know yeah. for those that saw me last year I think I had about 19 attempts at one of the rigs with uh, Natasha Mansell I remember seeing you um, yes yeah, uh, but most people probably saw me. I was there for a good a while. Finally, did get across, and actually, it became fun. But the, the the problem was the whole race part of that went went. Yeah, it became fun, and that's what OCR should be about. So I get that. But I was no longer in race mode because as soon as you know it was about keeping a band, you're stuck in that queue, and you lose ten minutes. The issue I have is obviously I'm a runner, so I've got to benefit yeah. this. But you can train for months to gain ten seconds per kilometer. Yeah. You know, John Album is really, really quick. He's probably, between me and him, on a per kilometre, only a minute faster, which is a lot, by the way, in running terms. Yeah, yeah. But over 10k, that's 10 minutes. Yeah. But you can lose 10 minutes on one obstacle because you're sat in a queue. Yeah. Um, so maybe you should spend that six months training obstacle training. I knew you were going to come back, so you've got to train more. It's your little thing. We've got to train harder. When was the last time you trained an obstacle other than Tuffers Oslo? Well, I, I haven't done an awful lot, there but not all of there us go. have. <laughs> it's not always that easy. I train running all the time, right? So you've got plenty of time. But then if I stop running, I might only get slower. My gym session today was 15 minutes long. That's all I had available. Yeah, well, I know you're right on the training side and I, I, I don't enjoy it as much. But no, and that's it. I hate running with a passion. You think my issue with bands is because it's actually ingrained in me because I'm not good enough at No, no, I don't think that. I think, you're, I think your point has some valid points. I think even Spartan enough. have it right. You that fail, is. you do burpee. I don't care what the thing is, but you're always racing. 
I, I can agree with that because burpees are a fitness challenge, we know, quick. However, they really struggle in regulating the quality of their burpees. I don't know if you saw They've got them. better now, they're videoing it now, aren't they? Yeah, but did you see the American burpees last week? No. I sent it to some of the UK Spartan people, as in like the people that are in love with Spartan in the UK, and even they were like, it makes a joke of the UK because we are chest upright, you know, arms fully extended to our yeah. head, and you had the two people leading, I think it was Killian and Ryan, and rightly so because in America they don't care. Doing burpees where they you know, barely left the floor, were crouching with their hands just above their head like this. And that was it. None of them got recounted, none of them got rechecked. But over here, it has to be full extension, hands above head, clap. What we saw in that video, which was their tour championship, I think, with, I think, $12,000 prize money, was a bit of a joke. You know, even then, one of the sandbags split open, and one of them ended up carrying an empty sandbag. All right, let me change it slightly then. Do you think the band system would exist for two things? Yeah. One, I personally, I think makes, they had the idea of doing a band system, else they've just decided to keep it when I don't yeah. think it works. And it's like, well, it's too late to change it now, it's our thing. And I think you, you just change it, because toughest to me is by far the, the best setup. Mm. You don't have to have hard and easy lanes, by the way, or even the way Spartan do things, where it's fluid, you're always moving, you can fail, you do your burpees, you do yeah. your challenge, whatever. For me, personally, that's just much better. But I think they've started a band system and they've got stuck with it, because they realised everyone, you know, big photos of piles of cut mm. bands, it's all good for media and whatever else. So I think that's that's probably part of the problem but I think the other part is it's not a genuine world champs it's a commercial enterprise so the band system brings people in that probably aren't and shouldn't necessarily be at the top of in an elite race I mean I've qualified for elite worlds and finished like after like six hours that should I shouldn't be in that race you know but they want to make money yeah and that's why the band system works well for them so Um, question for you because I don't like the band system do you genuinely think the band system would exist was run by a governing body like one of I will sit there and say profit. yes, purely because if you rocked up to an Ironman and couldn't swim, they wouldn't let you start, let alone finish. Well, no, no, there's no one checks you can swim, is there? No, but if you know you wouldn't finish, you'd pull out the water, you'd be a DF. Yeah. They wouldn't let you. They wouldn't put you on a canoe, pull you out of the water, and say, "All right, just carry." No, on. no. So you go back to Margaret, If you go and do it, you just. Don't, I don't mind. I, yeah. I'd have to get. Thing is, I would have to get better obstacles if I knew yeah. I couldn't retry. But I don't think people would. I think people would just stay the same. And you can have the band system, but you have it in the journeyman wave. I think the band system, again, I think it has its way of working, in my mind. I just think that you do need to go down the, the route of having 15 lanes on a rig rather than five. Because if you've got 15 lanes on a rig, you can have five lanes for each try rather than one. Is that really right? Is that really possible to have? If this is a world championship, then everything should be viable and possible. Maybe it's not. I guess we'll only have to wait and see what happens this year. I sat and watched the Euros and the amount of cheating I saw, attempted cheating. I've sat and watched the Worlds and the amount of attempted times I've seen people cheating. I've seen groups of people tactically cheating to, between each other where two of them in the same kit as the other two will go through the obstacle, two will sneak around the side and then they'll swap, the other two will go off course, two will come on course. So they only ever do every other obstacle and they all finish together as nothing happened. Sure. I've seen that. For me, balance has a place. It has to be managed better than it has been. I think if you send people on penalties, you're going to struggle to get people complete the full penalties. And that's only because, and I don't want to label any nationality here, but those at the Euros that were marshalling, myself, I saw, there were certain nationalities that were very good at breaking and bending rules, you know, the day before the Euros. You know, if, you, if you've seen an obstacle, you get disqualified in a 2,000 Danish crown fine or something silly. Someone, I saw someone on an obstacle, within two minutes, they'd ripped all of their clothes off down to boxers and were running because they had their team clothes on and they wouldn't be disqualified. And that's how people are, like, treating it because they want the band. I think it has to be better managed, but I don't foresee people taking the penalty seriously. Do you th- prefer the band system to a one attempt and out? I do, because I've been on the other receiving end of getting knocked off of a wall, getting knocked off of an obstacle, 
You know, we see it all the time. This weekend in Tuppence. I guess, in your defence, it'd be a long way to go to OCR Euros, fail at the wall and have to leave the course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless those people are then told they can run the journeyman wave. Yeah, I think you have to... You, I would like the one and out, but if you went there and you paid all your money and you got knocked off the first obstacle and were not given yeah. any other chances... I also don't like losing debates. You suck! Oh, I don't think... Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't no, know if anyone's winning or losing this one because no matter what I say, I'll be wrong. But yeah. listen, let us know what you think. I'll, I'll put a, a discussion on Facebook. Bands or no bands? I have a feeling bands will overwhelmingly win, so yeah, I have a course. feeling I'm going to be hugely outnumbered on this, and I'm sure everyone disagrees with me. But look, I'll put a, a debate on Facebook. My view is, you, well, I've come around a fair bit to James's arguings, but. I personally don't like the band system. Don't ever agree with me. It ends badly for you. It's the queuing. I can't stand the race being won on a queue size. I hate queuing. That's what needs to be adjusted. Maybe the bands can work, but we need to look at how the queues can be managed better. I 100% agree, because like I say, I race age group or journeyman at best, and I get sick of queuing. I mean, Dave Rogers walked off, if I remember rightly, he walked off the course. Yeah, and, and um, many others will have as well. Um, but the argument from the world is if Dave hadn't failed the obstacle and he spent the time training the obstacle, I didn't fail an obstacle, or haven't failed an obstacle since the UK champs other than test course for Euros this year never failed an obstacle at the world never had to retry one no cues for me that's the argument alright Billy Big Bollocks uh, I failed the running <laughs> don't worry about that you see you see the first hill and all the South Africans are running up it and I'm like guys can we take a break I'm so tired well for those out there that have failed I've failed loads of obstacles in my time so don't worry about it I can run yeah, you've had me on the run so it evens out for me <laughs> uh, yeah well maybe um, I think you've run a pretty quick at running as well okay so um, yeah I don't know where we've got to on that I think we've pro- I've probably come around to it but we'll let the debate continue on Facebook but bans or no bans that is the question open it up let us know what you think I'll kick with you. Uh, we're going to be on to a kick with you. Ivox. Yes. Loads of people love Ivox. I think they were the shoe. I don't know if they still are. They were the shoe worn by... Alvin. John Alvin. Um, I don't know if they still are or not. Yeah. Uh, versus Innovate Talons. I picked the 212. Spice of the Ivox at the moment when I checked. £110. What about the Ivox 2s? 110 quid. Yeah. Talon 212s. Uh, pricing at 76 It's quite a big price difference. Yeah. Uh, I don't know your view on which one you prefer. I know my view, but... I'll let you go first on this one, and then I'll add my two pins in the All end. right. Well, I raced in the Iwox 2s at Toughest, and they were okay. They were fine. I've also done a couple of mountain marathons with them. So I, the mountain marathons are like I did with Sean Wilde were like uh, sort of 50 to 60 kilometers across all terrain. So they, they've been pretty well used, uh, but not really raced in until Toughest. But I have to say I'm an Innovate fan. Mm. I won't be buying a second pair of Iwox for 110 quid. So I've done three races in them, but as I said, it's quite long races. Already they're starting to fall apart I was really disappointed they do feel super grippy Yeah, uh, I won't deny that but I haven't tested them in the wet but they just have that stickiness to them I don't find them that comfortable I don't think they've got enough support on the drops if you're doing obstacle races and you're jumping off walls all the time for me there's no real support on the shoe because the rubber is so hard you do feel all the impact whereas the sticky rubber from Innovate is pretty soft it does yeah. I think, take a little bit out of it I, I, I don't have trust in them you're jumping off high walls I, I, even at toughest like usually I would get over the top of something and just jump off the other side yeah. you know dragon's back at the end of it you just jump off the other end yeah. you to, I climb down I'm too worried about yeah. smashing up my heel well, and you can you can damage a hill if you don't land yeah, properly absolutely. so personally I'm an Innovate fan and I have a pair of Iwot 2s and I will wear them until they finally die which probably won't be too long based on, on the pair that I've got because they're already falling apart but I say that because I've heard other people say that Innovates don't last very long but I've had mine for years and they're I just think they're brilliant I don't know if you saw my Innovates out in Oslo I did see yours I mean you claimed you'd only had them but they look like they're like they, 10 years old they've been they were only released 
couple of months. Oh, well, new version. Yeah, only been released a few months. They look like road shoes on the bottom, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're... so they're the brand new two one twos. I had them a week before public release, and they've been sanded down. And I can tell you, they were really, they were really low. I mean, yeah. they look like you had a lot of use on them. Yeah, really. I mean, the heel you could see, you know, still five six mil of lug. But on the forefoot where I stand and run, they were completely gone. And you can list the races I've done in one hand. You know, I, I've done two races this year and I didn't finish one of them. So they've had absolutely no use. The occasional jog around nuts where I've taken a, a, a wedding or whatever mm-hmm. around. But that's been talking 2K maximum once a month since then. I tell you what, the Arlocks are good. And we, there was a water section in Toughest. For getting rid of water, I think it's a wet race. Yeah. For dispelling water, they were brilliant. And we came out of the swim... And, you know, feet, which I barely even noticed it. So actually, I only thought of that moment now, but for water displacement, they were brilliant. But I just, I don't know, it's confidence in being able to run, jump, climb, and do everything with Innovate. For me, they won over. I mean, yeah, so for me, I've used the IROCs, and I don't have confidence in them. Another injury tale for me. Uh, First time I ever wore them, I turned up to a race, and my kid were like, here you go, take them off, you go. I was late to the race. I put them on on the start line, still time and time, later, two races as the race went off. A kilometre in, I was jumping across wet logs as if I was wearing the old shoes, which I knew I would normally do that in. That's not a problem. Sure. And I slid off and broke my ankle. Wow, okay. So they then went into a draw for, I honestly couldn't tell you, you lost at least a year, a year and a half. And I only found them the other day when digging out a cricket bag. And they've been worn twice since. Not the most comfortable. I did end up with blisters. I did do penny fan in them. Um, for some reason, I thought, you know, the shoes I've not worn for a year and a half. Yeah. I'll take them up a mountain. I did have a small blister. They were pretty comfortable other than that. They do, for me, give me a little bit more support than the Innovate, but that's mainly because they have such a heavy, you know, thick, solid shoe. Sure. Whereas the 212 Innovates that I really like are just super light. You know, the orange ones, they are... They are brilliant. And they are really good. Fair, they're definitely my favourite shoe. Just durability. Not only was my grip worn off on the bottom, my toe was hanging out the edge. Don't know if you saw that green yeah, sock yeah. yeah. Just, you know, the old Innovate Death where they die around the sides on both shoes, little toes sticking out the edge. So I love them. But they're uh, not, and these shoes aren't cheap, neither of them. I mean, 76 quid is a lot of money to spend on something that falls apart. Yeah. 110 is mad. So, it's a lot of cash. Yeah, um, for me, at the moment, as much as our review is IROX versus Innovate Talons, I'm still using a pair of four year old ice bugs that are still going perfectly fine. I don't know. Well, we can open up the debate and add ice bugs to it. I don't know ice bugs at all. I haven't raced them. They just, yeah. I've lifted up a pair and they felt really heavy. It felt like well, a. That's the lightest trail shoe. Is it really? So it's funny that you thought they were heavy. I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> it felt like a budget shoe in my hand. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, everyone's going to feel them differently. Um, for me, they just they haven't broken, which is you know. I, well, let's add them to the mix then. We'll yeah. have a kit review. Irox, I don't know which ice, pair of ice bugs you've got. If you know the brand or the uh, price, ice bug zeals, but mine are the studded versions. I'll Google what uh, we're doing. Tell them about yeah. the thing, and I'll find a price. What about the shoe? Yeah. Um, well, hard to say. Ice bug. They tend to put a hard plastic midsole around the shoe, and that stops you really from being able to sprain your ankle. Um, it also keeps them waterproof when you put your foot in any puddles, which I really really enjoy because when you're walking around an event village before the race, nothing annoys me more than just standing in a little bit of wet grass and getting soaking wet feet. Just because you notice it. When you finish the race, couldn't care less. But when you're you know, walking around the cold mornings... So Icebug Zeal 3, 109 quid. Yeah, yeah, exactly those they're ones there. They're not cheap. No. They're, if they're the... Uh, not the studded ones. But yeah, so I, I have the studded ones purely left over from Toughest Ice. I spent a lot of time running in them when I had my broken arms because I wanted that extra bit of grip on the floor. Okay. You know, I, I didn't want to be wearing normal shoes and just fear that I'm going to slide over and then I can't land on my arms so they're smashed so I wore the studded ones just because they gave me that extra little bit and you know I had them toughest ice which must be three four years ago now and they're still going strong I've worn them through day weekend double I've worn them through toughest races I've worn them through so many races that I know I shouldn't be allowed to wear them at uh, they've done six laps of nuts with me they've done five laps of nuts with me 
and they've never ever he's, broken you've done a good sell on the icebox so. that's the zeal the zeal three i think it's 109 pounds yeah, I, mean, I don't know what the new ones are like these are like i say four years old but the, not even the stitching's come undone which is meant okay that's good so let's let, let's wait a minute so performance uh irox versus innovate talons uh i would have to go innovate wins i would go innovate wins I think you can you can perform better if you can trust your shoe. Yeah. Value. Uh, I mean, if we innovate beats Icebug and Irox. Yeah. Um, it's still not cheap at seventy six quid no. uh, for something that, as you say, can fall apart. But yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a. I'd, I'd, I'd agree. The value is incredible. I'd say the grip is better on the innovate talons. Yeah, the grip's brilliant because you can't wear the studded ones that I wear. I just tend. To it doesn't feel as sticky as the Irox though. The Irox feels sticky. Yes, they do. But then the new innovates are sticky rubber supposedly. Okay. Which is maybe why they wear down so fast, but. Is what they, you know, they, they are releasing the graphene shoe supposedly. I know that's been held back yeah. a bit. So we're giving value to Innovate. If we grip, Innovate. Innovate, okay. I'd innovate, winning it. out. Comfort, I'm going Innovate. Yeah, okay. Unless you're running a race that involves water, well, I would actually I would actually wear the iWox over the Innovate if you're going to be. I don't know, maybe Nuts might be a good yeah. race for the iWox because there's lots of mud and water and you need to dispel it. The only thing is they're quite a heavy shoe. And if you then. I think that the Innovate Orange you know, talons yeah. will drain quicker, as in water weight actually getting out, rather than going through the Kevlar layer on okay. there. So I think that actually, for some people that have big feet, I would prefer... So you're still wearing, sticking with Innovates? Yeah, or Icebugs. I mean, I've worn the Icebugs. So, but Innovate, I mean, that's what I wore up, so I'll slow it, so I can't move back. So we're going overall, weight, feel, everything, we're going to go with Innovates. Yeah. So if you're not a short shoe to wear, both of me and James have God knows run how many races. Um, I would hate to think... We're both saying we at the moment, this moment in time, we prefer innovate to iRock, and you can save yourself a good thirty-four quid. Yeah. So hoping as long as they keep holding your receipt, and this is a, a top tip from me: uh, buy them from Wiggle or from I think it was Wiggle, um, and I went through about nine, ten pairs in a year at one point, and they just kept switching them out. Great. Year on guarantee with Wiggle. So if you do get them, get them from Wiggle, get them on a on a sale when they are, and then if you do have any problems, you can just send them back because that's what I kept doing. So I know that they're maybe not build quality, doesn't always last. I think they're better grip, and if you can keep sending them back like that, it's not a problem. Cool, fab. Where we got to? At race overview. Obstacle course race results, upcoming events, and athlete shoutouts. James, kick us off. Toughest race, incredible race. John Alban absolutely destroyed it. Absolutely smashed it. And it was his first toughest race of the season. Yeah, rocks up. I mean, the guy is. I'm going to be defending him in a minute, but the guy's incredible, right? Yeah, he absolutely jogged it as well, didn't he? Uh, the first kilometre, he had a two-minute lead. The eighth kilometre, he had a two-minute lead. And I don't think he ran the last seven. I think he just... Chris is two minutes behind me. There's no point in stretching myself out. I'll just take it easy. Didn't do all the fast lanes. Took a few slow ones, from what I remember. But then why would you Why would you risk a penalty? I only saw him on the start line. And Martin was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. He's gone. Yeah, uh, the guy's the guy. I, mean, I heard the announcement... I don't know where I was on the course. Obviously, a long way back. I, mean, I, I finished in 47 minutes. I think he did in 38, didn't he? Yeah, so I mean, good, good 10 minutes. minutes. We'll talk about the minute per kilometre. There you go. Yeah, there you well, go. Even quicker than that. So yeah, smashed it. Great result. We had uh, quite a few races at the weekend. We had Man versus Mountain. Yeah. Who won that? Well, funny oh, you yes. ask that. Indeed. We, we have, haven't got a clue. Yeah, we've got no idea. We've <laughs> just spent, what, 10, 15 minutes trying to get hold of the rat race results, trying to order them. They are in bib order. No, they're actually in alphabetical order. Oh, they're in alphabetical order. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. my apologies. They're not in race finish time order. We cannot find a way to do that. You can't search. You can't. You can't. You can just have to go through alphabetically to find individual times. So we gave up, frankly. So rat race. If you're listening, you need to sort out your timings because we don't know who won man versus mountain. No, but um, well done to them. 
Doesn't sound like a fun race in my opinion, lots of running. I love Mal, it's my favourite race of the year. Is it? I have to say, I absolutely love it. I think, uh, yeah, but it's more my, not many obstacles to fail. Yeah, yeah. Just jump into pool at the bottom. And I'm, I'm not a fan of walking uphill for that long, so. <laughs> I've got to run it, it's super hard. But no, anyone who did do that race, fair play. I know that Monique did it from uh, Team Phoenix. And then did nuts the next day because she's a psychopath. Yeah, was it that way around? I'm not sure which no, one definitely that way around. Was it? Yeah, she. Um, yeah, psychopath. That 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 is a lot of running. Yeah. So shout out to her. It's the only shout out we can do. If we don't know who won. Nuts results. Bring us over. Four laps. Tom Twedle absolutely smashed it. As always, the kid is an absolute monster. Um, another guy that works really hard on his running and then spends all of his time in his gym just working on his obstacle technique. So really well into him. I think just over four hours, four laps of nuts. Yeah, it's impressive. Ridiculous. I know. Alf Phoenix. Alf. He won. He's only he's a youngster, sixteen yeah. years old, and he won the three laps. I've done the three laps. I'll say I won it. I'll do that little shout out to myself a couple of years ago and vowed I would never do that race again. Three laps was enough, so huge shout out to Tom Tweddle. But Alf, 16 years old. Yeah. Wow. Kids these days, mate. Future. Future races. We need more of him in. He's that, he's really, really doing well, so a huge shout out to him. And there was a, uh, was a sprint race, it was won by uh, another Phoenix member, Nikki. Yes, Nikki. I think yeah. she also won four laps for the women, if I'm right. I think she had the chance to do the double double because she won it in the winter as well, but she didn't do the sprint race in the winter, if I'm right. Yeah, well, who won the sprint? Sprint men's. Well, Barry Buchanan. From RPCC team. Oh, good to see the RPCC back out and about. Richard Pringle combat conditioning, that takes me back four years. They were uh, they were at force, really. They used to have 60, 70 people. Is that what it stands for? Race. Yeah, RPCC, Richard Pringle combat conditioning. Wow. It was, uh, Richard then went on to be the, the Spartan race director for a few years. Works a lot of charity work, does a lot with um, boot camps, etc. The one by Barry Buchanan, I don't know, but he's obviously pretty damn good because he's beaten Jason Bronick, who came second, and Mark Dixon third. Some good names on there. This is what Fair Bailman down there, so he had to come up there. It was a real, real quick race, so well done to him. Uh, Nicky Johnson obviously won the sprint race uh, eighth overall. Fantastic. Such a quick time, well done to that. And there was a new race this weekend. We had the Red Bull Quicksand race, won by, and now, funny enough, I said to James on the way out to Tuffers Oslo, what on earth happens with Ross Brackley? I thought he was doing a tougher series. I haven't heard of him or seen him for ages. And I said, everyone keeps asking me that. Ask Ross Brackley. Well, now we know. Turns out he was at the Red Bull Quicksand race, and no surprise to anybody, he won it. Yeah, by 13 seconds on the look of Being it. Being someone called Jack Kosky, who I don't know, but uh, Ross McDonald. Yeah, in third place, so great workout from him. And uh, James Bosher, my muddy kit team replacement, so well done to him. Ah, okay. Another, another nice. really, really good runner, so good to see him out there. And Jesse Betts in fifth. I saw uh, Ross actually run a one fifteen half marathon the other day as well. Oh, he's getting slow at his old age, is he? So, uh, yeah, he's obviously putting some training in. Yeah, he's, he's a monster, and he's so quick. Well, pretty, pretty impressive so yeah I think there's uh, one other shout out I'm going to make just because I can is over in Toughest uh, we had a few results I came 40th which I think you know but Daz got 29th in the elite race I have to say he really raced well he came it didn't he he came it and he could have been higher he could easily have been in the top 15 he came off on the hard lane of the only obstacle we didn't rerun uh, pre-week which was the uh, the ninja oh yeah of course the um, swing walk swing walk he came off on that and had to do the penalty loop but he, he raced really well yeah, yeah, he yeah. raced really really well so he came 29th which was fantastic Becky Rendell, 12th. She was in from the qualifier group as well. Yeah, she wasn't exactly. even in the elite race. Yeah, yeah. So from the qualifier category, got 12th. I think she was second in her age group as well. Yeah. Smashed it really, really, really strong throughout. We saw just going into the uh, the ski slope finish, and she had two guys either side of her, and we were just like, just win that race, just win that race. Yeah. And she smashed them both. So really, really good to watch. It's such an epic finish. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Best finish in knob score, of course, racing uh, circuit, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. It's the whole reason I went out for it. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just epic. But what was quite funny, actually, is when you said, I thought Oslo would be a flat race. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's definitely not a flat race. No, yeah, no, 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 I enjoyed that. 
Yeah, it's, it's really hilly. Yeah. And uh, I should do a couple of shout outs as well. We've got uh, Rebecca Cohen, who is part of Team Nuts. Yes. But she smashed, she's improved so much. I trained with her a lot, but she absolutely smashed it. She came seventh in her age group. Yeah, she's... What was really good is, you know, she fought fears as well. On the day before, she was really, really worried about the Dragon's Back, which again, it was great. The toughest left it open so that we could go and play yeah. on it. She had a go against the Dragon's Back. She worked her way across it. And then in the race, not a problem, just jumped. Yeah, smashed it. Really so, well done. Big shout out to Rebecca Cohen. Uh, and Tony Leary was there as well, but with an injured heel following an injury at Spartan, um, just walked round, but had fun. Had, had fun. Did the obstacles. Yeah, it was a really good good road trip. Yeah, and I know that you want to give a special shout out to Charlotte Hansen. I do. I don't know Charlotte Hansen, but I met her on course. So Charlotte Hansen was at Toughest. And look, if anyone saw the video I put on Facebook, if you ever think you can't do something, oh my God. So she had a. And I don't know how difficult it is, or I don't have a prosthetic leg, but she had a prosthetic leg. Yeah. And she did the ramp. I know because I was on the ramp while she stepped on my shoulders to get up it. And yeah. it was a real, this is where OCR's brilliant. So the team, everyone came together. We all jumped onto the ramp. She climbed up us, got to the top as a picture I put out. She did that. But then later on, just as chance would have it, I was sat watching Becky's finish. Yeah. And no one other but Charlotte Hansen comes on again and does the ski finish yeah. on crutches yeah. and I remember sitting at the top of that ski slope and I turned to Brian and I was like Brian am I seeing this because you cannot comprehend how steep that ski slope is at the moment no, everyone's, ha- everyone's crawling yeah. everyone is crawling yeah and she's not crawling she's putting her foot down standing up lifting her crutches up higher and then just standing up further and that was incredible I, I turned to Brian and I was like am I seeing this is this, is this happening and I was in disbelief I really was and I still can't believe it and the video that you showed me and you know it's crazy that it's the same lady I still can't believe that she made it on that ski slope because there were grown men oh. you know, passing out on that ski slope. We had one that actually did pass out at the top, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and we weren't really sure what we had to do with him. But, <laughs> so yeah, big shout out to Charlotte Hansen. And, yeah, some good results, some great races. I mean, it's a shame they all came at the same time because I always do man versus mountain and had to do, couldn't do them all. So you had to make a choice, but some really good races out there. So yeah, we've got some new races coming up. So of course, first of all, we've got nuclear races. We've got Blast and Blackout this weekend. Uh, most of Team Phoenix running in those races, expecting some good results from the whole team, really. The guys know the course well, so I fully expect them to smash it. That's this weekend pretty much a full weekend of racing over at Nuclear. So um, unfortunately, I can't make those races, but I know the rest of the team will, will do us proud. So uh, go Nuclear Phoenix for that one. So we've got Tough Mudder London. I think it's probably the next uh, one of the next big races coming to the 22nd, 29th of September. Yeah. Five miles or 10 miles. We've got Spartan Race Trifecta in Scotland. Double header for Toughest coming up as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, are you going out there? I am. I am. I can't wait, of course. Where nice. else would I be? 15th of September is Spartan Race Trifecta. Toughest Gothenburg is the 16th. Yeah. Um, and the Toughest Copenhagen's on the 29th of September. So, look, guys, if you haven't done the Toughest and you've got some time off... Copenhagen's crazy cheap. About 30 quid return flights at the moment. It's not the cheapest country when you're in it, but you can get an Airbnb pretty quick. Pretty and if you've got kids, the family races are insane. They're really, yeah. really well done. So, you know, take your children out and do, uh, enjoy it. Do check if they've got a family race, though, because they don't always have one. Ah, OK. So I'm not entirely sure about these ones. But yeah, so for me, in the next few weeks, it's tough as Gothenburg, then a week in Spain, and then out to tough as Copenhagen. Nice. It's going to be a horrible week. Life of a student. Yeah, no. <laughs> Clinic life, right? This is why you have lots of time to train obstacles. Yeah, yeah. Student. I mean, there was that you know point where I went full time, did a full time degree at the same time, and still got it in. But sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's another. It's one you want to feature as well. A race coming up. Yeah, Mike's gym. Um, it's going to be unbelievable. Not even John Alban has the record around there. Okay. Um, so Mike's gym, obviously out in Spain, Marbella. They have a race and they have a camp. I'm heading out there to run the World Championships camps with them, help coach that. And then we're going to be heading out on the 22nd, where there'll be a 10k summer slaughter race. And that name really does it justice. I can't lift some of the weights in that race. They weigh more than me. So 
Well, you've got to train harder, James. Yeah. This is the problem. Well, this is it. I don't train enough weights. It's I'm... not the weight that's the problem. It's you're not training. Yeah, right. Is that what yeah, it is? That's what yeah. it is. So I'm heading out there. Admittedly, I've only been there once. I did have the flu, but there were some, you know, 55 kilo atlas stones to lift up and chuck down 10 times before you got onto the next thing, which was lift them over a wall, and then you got onto the next thing, and it's brutal. Krista Selman from, you know, Toughest, who came second this week, he had the record out there. I think he's... He's a big guy as well, isn't he? For somebody who yeah, moves very, that very fast. Tall. Yeah, um, I think Connor Hancock's second and Alvin's third. So, you know, the pedigree out there to be at the top. I'm just looking forward to getting out there. I'm not looking forward to some of the hills they've got, but it's going to be an interesting race out there. Cool. And there's a couple of OCR shout-outs I'm going to do for the community. Community fundraising that needs your support. So, look, let's not forget, we're talking about races and shoes and everything else, but the thing that really keeps OCR together and what it's all about is the community side of it. And there's a couple of things we want to highlight. So for those not familiar, there's the UK OCR group. Um, there's a, a lot of us are members of the UK OCR group on, on Facebook. But they've got a crowdfunding page. They're trying to raise money for building obstacles for a children's obstacle park. So you can, I'll put the link on our Facebook uh, group, but you can go to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash OCR if you want to help the UK OCR group to um would be a great idea i think they have it all over scandinavia that's yeah. why they're so good at obstacles but you know to, to help fund a child's obstacle park so i want to make a shout out for that um, and you've got one you want to highlight as well yeah so obviously we've spoken about mike's gym earlier on a lot of people will now know that garth one of the trainers at mike's gym did have a heart attack earlier this year he was dead for quite a considerable amount of time so i don't know about garth um <laughs> i keep telling him i'm better at things than he is so he's remembering something but yeah garth's currently having a lot of problems with uh, remembering things he's having some neurological uh, rehab etc and it's not cheap he's out in spain so he is having to fund it himself and his family is taking a massive hit so there is a gofundme campaign for garth and um, we'll find a link and pop up into the group as well sure a really really good cause to support because garth is one of the nicest people and for those who are not big fans of me no one has done more to hurt me than garth so you know even to keep this sadist going you should be out there donating to that that's fun if we all pull together as a yeah. community we can yeah we can make a difference so um, yeah two good things if you want um, a community page highlighted in a future episode if we do any more of these then um, put it on a Facebook chat and we'll, uh, we'll try and include it in the yeah, next, next episode so part six would they beat John? would they beat John at OCR? Uh, I'm going to defend John on this and we're going to talk about well, you think Mo Farah's better. Talking to me over in, uh, in Oslo about how apparently Mo Farah's amazing at, uh, at monkey bars. I'm fairly sure I've seen some Instagram videos of him doing various obstacles. And you know what? If you weren't aware, it turns out Mo Farah, bit of a monster. He's bit pretty fast. Well, I mean, this was when he was doing his 10K. Now he's a marathon runner. Anything could happen, you know? I'm sure that changes him. So I think we should use the toughest Oslo course as our benchmark because John won that. Brilliant. And that helps me. So let's do that. Brilliant. I, <laughs> I think, genuinely, as much as uh, he might be a gold medalist, that he, doesn't matter how fast he might be at 10k, 5k, yeah. or marathon distance, John would be him at toughest. Now, John, I think is that everyone knows he's an amazing athlete, yes. right? He has never lost at toughest to anybody yeah, who's come in. People have gone, failed, left. I think Mo would join that party. So you think that John will win? John would beat Mo Farah. And I think toughest. you're wrong. John is rapid, right? John is quick. Is John quicker than Mo Farah over 8k? On a flat? No. We'll start with flat. No. Do you think Mo Farah can run up a hill if he needs to? Yes. Do you think Mo Farah could run up Oslo Hills if he needed to? Probably. Do you think that Mo Farah could complete most of those easy lanes? And if not, just throwing it back to a previous argument, do you not think Mo Farah could run around, touch every obstacle frame, take the penalty run and still beat John? Yeah, actually, that's not a bad shout on that side. I forgot that we're doing a racing here. But the problem is, right, and this is my issue with yeah. why I think John would win. 
I, I know I absolutely think Mo would win on any kind of flat terrain mm. cross country as rapid as John is we're talking about Mo, Mo Farah right? so the thing is runners and anyone that goes to running clubs or does track sessions they all rely on rhythm yeah and I don't think that as good as he might be he could beat John in an obstacle race because in obstacle races and I found this out to my own you know, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. I've been doing lots of run training recently, but actually, as soon as you start breaking up with obstacles and your heart rate max, you know, maxes out and you'll get back in, MoFars have no chance at all at Tuffers to have any kind of rhythm. Within the first 50 metres, you're onto a huge cargo net. The next 50 metres, you're in, you're in the water, you're swimming, you're doing all sorts. Yes. I don't think Mo Farah would be able to... So you think Mo Farah's pulse wouldn't be able to keep with the stop-start? His resting heart rate is 33 <laughs> beats per minute, as I've just Googled. <laughs> and you don't think that he can do it? It's stops. a rhythm. It's a rhythm. It is, but I'm fairly sure, and don't quote me on this, I've seen videos of Mo running track, which they tell me involve stopping and starting. I don't go to track very often. No, nah, not the same way. Not the same way? No, 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 no. So also, also use different energy systems, right? So if you're you doing do. monkey bars or you're doing flying monkey, whatever it might be, you're using your arms, which, I mean, he's, you've seen Mo Farah's arms, right? I mean, he has no muscle on them. Have you seen John's arms? I have seen John's arms. <laughs> <laughs> he does lots of bouldering and, and, yeah. and other things. Okay, but the point is, I don't think Mo Farah's renowned for being particularly strong upper body, necessarily. No. He's a runner, right? He's going to be using muscles that he's not used to. He's going to have that. Yeah. I'm not saying he'd have doms the following day because he's a, he's a professional athlete. But that would, despite his resting heart rate. But he also is, like, super light. So that's going to be a big benefit in using new muscles too. I'd, I'd imagine that he's not, you know, nowadays with modern athletes, even Mo Farah, even, you know, the marathon champions, they don't just train legs, you know, they have to be, you know, chains have to be strong, they have to be strong in the chest for the driving of the arms, they have to be strong in the back for the pulling of the arms back, the core has to be stable so they're not rotating and losing energy. I'd imagine all of that would involve some form of upper body weight stabilization training, strength training that would lend itself to being able to complete monkey bars and jump over a wall within 40 seconds I would like to see Mo Farah jump onto a trampoline into a huge pool of water I would love to see that'd that. be amazing the Brownie Brothers once did nuts I think the Brownie Brothers would probably beat John but that's a different matter they're strong in the arms aren't they you can right. defend John and I'll defend the Brownie Brothers another well, day that doesn't seem fair come on but yes no. so back to Farah look I'm not saying he's going to finish every obstacle right but then has John been pushed through every obstacle ever no so if John was pushed by someone would he fail something if, if we're going objectively do I think Farah's going to win I think He's going to put another 30 seconds on John every kilometre. You reckon that much? Maybe. I mean, what's Mo Farah's... Oh, his marathon time's pretty quick, but John's marathon, Bergen marathon... We've had like, 8k here. Yeah, we're talking about overalls. You're saying putting quite a lot of time to put in the kilometre. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're, they're per k speed probably that different, is it? What do you reckon John's 10k is? No, 29 minutes? You reckon? I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, John, please let us know, but I, I'm not putting it that fast. I'm putting it in 30 minutes. What's my demo? My is twenty-six. No, twenty-four. So do I think that? Yeah, I think John Alban could 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 rinse him on the obstacles and make his time up. I mean, John's Bergen Marathon was like two what? Twenty-seven. Sorry, twenty-seven. What did he do it in? Two twenty or something like that? Two twenty-six. That's super fast. It is. It's not 27, 44 minute 10k fast. I don't think Mo Farah, as quick as he is, over over that distance would have be quick enough. I mean, we're only going 8k here. Yeah. Right? And John's clearly a sky runner. He's a 60k runner. Exactly. He goes and it's big hitting. distances. So even on a, you know, how much time is Mo going to eat into John running per kilometre? It's not going to be a huge amount. So I think that John's obstacle speed yeah. will be quicker than the speed that Mo Farah will make up on I, one session. I think that 
if they were to consider, you know, if Mo was to take the swing walk, I don't think you can fail the swing walk if you're an athlete. You know, the easy name of the swing walk where it's just four bars suspended by some chains. I don't think you can fail that if you're Mo Farah. You know, and also, are we going here that Mo Farah has just walked out of training for marathon running and he's got to go straight in? Yeah, 100%. Is he allowed a day's off? That gives me an advantage. But, yeah, but, you know, if he's doing the easy lane, though, he's got to do the up and unders. Yeah. He's got to be crawling around Which in the will, dirt. Which will shave time off. On tarmac, on gravel, on his knees. Like, you know, I feel like these elite people don't care about those things. You know, they, they will cut their heads open and just carry on. I feel like he would just continue. But, you know, I think, objectively, yeah, I'm similar with you here. I think, I think it'd be close. I think it'd be a lot So closer, speed. Speed. John, uh, you think far wins speed. All right. Endurance. It's a tough one here. Yeah. I mean, best runner in, in the, the world, world man. He's the best runner in the world. Far. Obstacles, though, John. I, yeah, I can't argue with that one. That's 2-1. History. John, never beaten in toughest, ever. Yeah. No, you know what, I have to go with history on that. But I think you do regain a bit to Mo here on the fact that he has won... Gold medals at the Olympics. And 5K, <laughs> 10K, marathons, half marathons. So, you know, and he's cross-country. He's not, he's not just a road runner. But you're only as good as your last race, and, uh, and John won toughest also. What did Mo Farah do in his last race? Don't know, but I don't think he won. <laughs> yeah. Did he do a cross-country race and he came, like, fifth? Yeah, I think that's slightly... You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Strength, I'm going John. Yeah, you know what, I have to. I have to. Terrain, we're in John's backyard as well. I can't argue with that's that. See, we're winning now, it's 4-2 What's up. really annoying is the three of the things you've just won, the things <laughs> I added in. <laughs> um, anything else I want to add? I need to pull this back then, I really. You know John, you can ask him. John, do you think... No, John's the most chilled guy. John's always said, the first time a runner comes across, I'll lose. Admittedly, every runner that's come across has lost John's one, but John always thinks someone's going to come and beat him. But I guess that's why he's so good, is because he's so humble. If he was super arrogant, no one would particularly care for him. But, yeah, I mean, you look at it, John's not won every Spartan race. What a race, though, that would be. John versus Mo Farah. Oh, yeah. Running up a ski slope at the end. You know, if it was just the ski slope, I'd edge to John. Yeah, that's just John. See, that, I'd flip that. I think Mo would win just the ski just slope. Just the ski slope. Yeah. I think it's just so much John's niche. Yeah, the sky running the yeah. height. Awkward footing, just going up. Yeah, if it was a 5k in the ski slope, I'm Farrah every day. But What a race. Be immense. Yeah, and also Farrah's legs on those downhills, I'd imagine, would just be ridiculously quick. Yeah. So, and you know, climatisation has to play a part. And this John's never done sea acclimatisation. Mo Farrah spends his life living at height. But then Mo Farrah's probably never jumped off a trampoline into a big ball of water. We don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, we're going John. But John yeah. wins, I win. I've lost every other debate today. Okay, yeah, I'll let you. Yeah, You've won you. your band one. I'm having John. John, I haven't beat Mo Fowler at Toughest Oslo. For God's yeah. sake, Mo. You heard it here. Mo, I needed you. Okay, cool. Competition time! Well, I'm in the competition, which, you know, we're kind of throwing it at the wind here, aren't we? Yeah, James wants to call it the Wild Pigeon Award. Yeah. To uh, Wild Forest, I guess, for accidentally referring to them as Wild Pigeons. This is the accidentally on purpose thing, where you claim the accident because... <laughs> I've been deliberately doing it for eight, well, for, you know, a good two days since Becky accidentally let slip the other nickname. And then I made some amusing photo of, you know, the logo for Wild Pigeons. And then accidentally while on air, I referred... No, it was obviously Nuclear Pigeons. And then while on air, I accidentally referred to you as the Wild Pigeons. Which was accidental, and I did receive what I would consider a suitable amount of abuse while live from Robin. You did it on the only live footage of Daz and me at the same time, who both represent Nuclear Phoenix, coming through the live feed of the rig at Toughest Oslo. Yeah. The one moment we get to share with our friends and family of the, our moment in the sun, live footage going through the rig, smashing it, and we're called 
Ball pigeons. And frankly, that was the most exciting part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was rather an amusing, my bad, on that one. But I'm rolling with it. It was good. So we're thinking for a competition, seeing as we haven't actually got anything we're going to physically give away because we just don't have that no. unless anyone wants to send us something to give away which you're more than welcome to do um, we're thinking that the competition winner just gets a shout out but if you don't get any nominations then we'll just pick the stupidest thing that we've seen somebody do I think we've had a couple of examples things we're thinking of that you know a bit like telling John Alban at the Euros that have you heard John Alban's uh, failed the oh, Euros God. <laughs> to John Alban yeah yeah. so uh, what was rather amusing is Caroline Bennett who's never going to talk to me again um, wandered up and was like I really want to meet John Alban was John and I at the bar uh, after he just claimed his award she was like I really want to meet John Alban I was like have you met my friend Brian to which she went hey Brian do you know who John is and John just played along he was like no no I really want to meet the guy myself this is a good 10-15 minutes of conversation before I'm just like you do know that is John and she's like shut up and then <laughs> John just starts giggling away, and yeah, it finally breaks. So now, have you seen John? Say hello to Brian for me. Um, but yeah, so that would be, you know, for example, a good one. Oh, well, that's competition. our first competition winner. It's a competition winner of week one. Caroline Bennett, yeah. Caroline Bennett, shout Sorry. out. Sorry, right first. Sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. I only have a few friends. I can't go burning them all like this. Just, we've lost one more. <laughs> yeah. But you've gained Brian. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. He wins the Good old bipolar, Johnny. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, that just about wraps us up. I uh, don't know if we'll do any more of these. We'll, we'll uh, see how this comes out, see what you think. Drop some comments on Facebook write to us message us uh, I'm sure you'll want to put some comments somewhere good or bad and then we'll decide if we do any more yeah yeah definitely alright cool so thanks for listening we'll, uh, we'll check out and uh, catch up with you all soon yeah, see you soon cheers you've been listening to the OCR Disrupt podcast if you want to join the conversation check out the OCR Disrupt Facebook group and get involved in the debate till next time oh.